I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Hello, and welcome. Thank you for joining me today. This is Once Upon a Gene, and I'm Effie Parks, your host, and I'm dropping in a little extra for you this week. On top of my episode, I'm releasing a little bonus to let you know about some exciting stuff coming up in the next couple weeks and to reintroduce to you uh, some of my favorite rare dads, Daniel DeFabio and Bo Bigelow. You can hear their episodes back on episode 28 and episode 15, so definitely check those out if you haven't. So these two teamed up a couple years ago, and they created something called the Rare Disease Film Festival. You can learn more at rarediseasefilmfestival.com. They have also just created a television channel that you can access on Roku and Amazon Fire. It's called the Disorder Channel. So make sure you download that. The content is being updated, it seems like, every single day, and it's really amazing. It's increasing so much awareness, and it's connecting patients and families, and it's inspiring a lot of conversations. So I'm really excited for them. And I kind of just wanted to give you all a rundown of what that is. So... You'll hear about more of that in the episode today. So the exciting thing that's coming up, Global Genes, they are having an unsummit this year, obviously. It's a virtual summit. It's going to be 10 days of events. So it starts September 15th and it goes until the 25th. And on September 16th, 17th, and 18th, they're actually holding a watch party with the two guys we're talking about right now. So it's going to be very cool. There's going to be three engaging evenings. There's going to be a theme for each night. So these are short films. You can stay for the films and you can stay for the discussions that uh, will be included with it. I'm really proud of them. And I'm also just really excited. I get to be the moderator for night two on the 17th. So make sure you check it out. You can find it on globalgenes.org slash event slash live. And I know that it is free of charge to patients and advocates. So go check it out. Sign up. I want to see you there. It's going to be amazing. This is a really fun event and I'm really excited to be a part of it. Anyways, I'm going to just get down to the show. So thanks for listening. Here are my friends, Daniel DeFabio and Bo Bigelow. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the show, Daniel and Bo. Hey, great to be here again. Together. Yes, together. I'm so glad I was able to wrangle the both of you in kind of very short notice. So thanks. You're a couple of the regulars around here. And I've had you both on before, obviously sharing your stories about being rare dads. But today we're mainly going to chat about your unshakable success with your film festival turned TV channel. So I do actually want to go back to the very, very beginning, Daniel. And I want to know... How long had you been thinking about creating the Rare Disease Film Festival and why did you choose Bo? Ah, um, well, I had previously run a general interest short film festival in Boston Spa. And partly because of the demands of raising Lucas, I wanted to step away from that. And when I did, a friend of mine said with a wink in her eye, she's like, you're going to be doing something with rare diseases, aren't you? And I hadn't intended to, but she was right. She was right. She knew it before I knew it. 
And after stepping away from that other film festival, I kind of sort of missed it. And talking to Bo about where do you show rare disease films? And there weren't such great options. And then we were brainstorming what would make a better option. And then we thought, you know, if it isn't out there, could we create it? And in terms of why Bo, I just, when I met him at Global Genes in 2015, I was so impressed. He was so early in the journey, having just gotten to Tess's diagnosis. And yet he was already so proactive and active. And he was just, I think, doing all the right things and doing them so far ahead of my own personal schedule. And then he mentioned maybe wanting to make a film and I latched onto that. And then as it happened, my film played at a festival not far from where Bo lives and Bo came out to that. And so we we got a little bit of the experience of what somebody else's film festival is like. And, you know, he'll tell the story that he was somewhat reluctant, but I'm glad he said yes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. Parents like Bo really blow my mind when they're able to just like go into action mode after getting a diagnosis like that and, you know, start all the important stuff that we need done for our kids, right? To find cures and treatments and research. So good job latching on to someone like Bo because they, like I said, I had a lot of other stuff I felt before I felt any kind of action mode. So, and then Bo, how about you? When Daniel was like, hey, I think we should do this awesome film festival. You're an attorney yeah, by trade. that's right. What did you think that you were going to be able to bring to the table for this effort? Well, uh, first, let me just say, I, I didn't go right into action mode right away, you two. I mean, I definitely had, I had a <laughs> bunch of years of just kind of hanging out after we knew something was going on with Tess and those first five years of her life, really, I wasn't able to take any action because we didn't have that diagnosis, you know, and so we were just kind of in a, in a holding pattern and, um, so yeah, when Daniel approached me, I guess my first thought was that, you know, I knew I wanted to make a film about about Tess. He had talked me into that. And I just felt like I am sort of a person of, of action in general. Like I, when I say I'm going to do something, I, I usually just do it. And uh, I try to figure out like how it needs to get done and what I need to know. I'm always aware of what I don't know. And so, you know, I was a total newbie in terms of film festivals. I'd never done anything like that. And I, I still ask Daniel Goonie questions all the time because I just, I just don't know, like he's from that world and I'm not, but yeah, I mean the, the, the attorney thing definitely I felt like would help, you know, in terms of contracts and agreements and uh, making sure we did everything right and followed things like laws and <laughs> yeah, those things. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in general, just like, I, I feel like Daniel and I are good partners. We just are sort of this yin and yang, like things that I'm really terrible at. He knows exactly what to do. And so I ask him a lot of questions all the time and it just works, you know? I love that. So tell me about the first film festival that you guys had. Where was it? And what was the success that came out of it? Yeah, the first one was Boston, 2017. We chose Boston. We always intend to move the festival from city to city and we choose the cities based on, are they good research hubs? Do they have a lot of hospitals and a lot of pharma companies? And basically, can we curate the audience in addition to curating the films? So if we invite the patient families, that's great. But we also want clinicians to show up and maybe some people from industry to show up so that when they start talking after having seen a film, 
they sort of cross pollinate and give each other ideas and maybe lend each other support. And maybe somebody says, oh, what we're working on could help what sounds like what you're dealing with. So what came out of Boston the first time, you know, I think Bo and I both had a lot of unknowns, you know, would there be enough films? And there were, we were surprised how many films, would there be an interest from sponsors? And there was, and we were surprised how much. And then the last element that had to fall into place was would people buy the tickets and would they go sit in the seats? And then we had sellouts. We sold out five out of seven screenings. So at each turn, we were kind of surprised how much need there was for what we were doing, how well received it was. It, it really, I think it really surprised us and, and it was a welcome surprise. But of course, that means it's a sad surprise too, because nobody wants there to be a lot of people with rare diseases. But if there are, we should get them all in one place and get them talking, right? That's really thoughtful about the location piece, finding places with research hubs and hospitals and stuff. That's very cool. So, Bo, how did you feel after the very first festival weekend was over? I was pretty, uh, I was pretty wiped out. It was, uh, it was a really emotional <laughs> thing for me, I think, because, you know, as Daniel was saying, that it was kind of an unknown, you know, even though we'd sold all these tickets, I didn't really get what what it was about until it was happening and and when it was just being able to go around and meet all these people and and just kind of just mingle with them and find out what they all, were all about and you know some of the people had been in some of the films that we showed so they were like the stars of the film some of them came in person and sat in the audience and that was a really emotional thing for me i'd seen them on the screen i'd seen you know them tell their story but but then meeting them in person getting to talk to them a little bit more about that just kind of blew me away. Like, I think in every advocate's life, it's sort of a process. And, you know, I think I'm still going through that process of just learning, like, well, how do you tell your story? And like, how do you own it? And, you know, what degree of comfort do you have about talking about the really hard things, the the things that, you know, you don't really put up on Facebook, but are, are really like part of your life and part of what your day is uh, at your house, you know, and so meeting those people and hearing them just be really honest about what they're doing and how their lives are. It just, it showed me like, oh, wow, advocacy can be like that. And you can be in this film and you can go out in public and tell your story this way. Like, wow, amazing. So I, I was blown away. I was really exhausted, but also energized because I think right away, you know, Daniel and I were like, wow, this was so much. We got to take some time off. And we just didn't really want to do that. We didn't want to take time off because we were so <laughs> juiced. You know, we were so excited that this had happened and that it was a thing and that it had worked and that people were interested in it, that we couldn't really wait to get started again. And so we're kind of going back and forth. Do we do this every year? Do we do it every other year? And we decided to do it every other year, but we actually worked more during that off year doing other stuff and promoting our films and stuff than than almost during a festival year. So I think just like energized is is what I was. So whose idea was it to pivot in the way that you had to due to the last one being canceled that was in New York City in May? Whose idea was it to pivot towards the platform of creating the TV channel, the disorder channel that's now available on Roku and Amazon Fire? Don't really know. Maybe it was Bo, but I think we had just been talking about a channel option even before COVID pandemic came along. It was sort of in the back of our mind as someday we'd get to that. And then when you couldn't do a face-to-face -face festival, we had to postpone and 
and now it looks like it won't happen in this calendar year, at least. We wondered where does that leave us, right? And a lot of festivals went virtual this year. They, they probably had no better option. And we considered that briefly, but a virtual film festival didn't quite check enough boxes for us. And when we looked at the channel option, at first it felt like a consolation prize. You know, it's not as good as a festival, but it's as good as we can do in these times. But quickly we got into what its strengths could be different than a festival. So in a festival, we tend not to show as many long films. We just can't fit that many. And here we can. So we actually went back to a filmmaker who, for the festival, we had said, we can't take your long film, but if you have a shorter edit, we'll take that. And now we're doing the reverse. We're going back to them and saying, we'd rather have your long film. And likewise, with a disease topic, we might have had one or two films on a certain disease and felt we can't have any more. That's it's oversaturation if we do three or four or five films on the same disease. Whereas in the channel setup, if we have three or more than three films on Batten disease or vascular Ehlers Danlos syndrome, it's okay. There's room for that. And some people want to do a deeper dive and get into more detail with that. Yeah, I actually love that difference because you may feel more connected to someone or someone else's story in the same disease than someone else. And being being able to have the opportunity to kind of see more than one is very important. So how many films do we have going on right now on the channel? We, <laughs> we. as in, yeah, we. <laughs> it's growing every day. You're putting content out it, it's, all the it's time. It's over 50. Yeah. Ooh. So what are you most excited about with this platform? You know, I think the films are amazing to have and we're really excited to work with a lot of people who've contributed to festivals in the past, like those creators, those filmmakers. But what we're also doing now, and this is exciting for us, is just developing some content with some thought leaders. So we're approaching people who, you know, maybe have their own YouTube channel or um, they're really vocal on Twitter about a certain issue uh, or an idea. And we're saying to them, you know, hey, this is about rare disease, what you're doing. And, you know, we're listening to you. We're paying attention. We see what we're doing, what you're doing. And, you know, how would you like to to have a an outlet here? How would you like to be on this channel? You know, if you have any interest in making some videos about this topic, about your your disease, you know, we should talk. And so we're exploring a lot of those options with these um, with these creators. Just different shows about all kinds of stuff. Some of it is designed to give resources to uh, you know parents who are dealing with kids with disabilities at home right now and are just having a hard time, and they. Maybe they'd like to do some yoga or like do some meditation or, you know, other things are about specific diseases or about another show that we're developing right now is the idea of being an X-linked carrier of, of a disease. And so that's part of what we think is really exciting about this is this channel lets these people put these shows out there to thousands of people all over the place and uh, and really have a way to tell their story. Yeah, you're almost in a way with the TV platform creating that place that we all wish we could have went to when we needed to know all the things, <laughs> whether it's, you know, an advocate <laughs> here or a rare disease there or meditation here. You're kind of creating this list of, you know, resources for us to go to to find when we're kind of in the depths and we're swimming through all of this information. And quite frankly, usually in a dark place in the beginning. Yeah, I I was just watching um, Disney Plus with my son the other day, and I was thinking how you view that it's part of Disney's brand. You view that as a safe place because the movie we're watching, I'm like, is this a good movie for kids? I'm like, oh, it must be. It's on Disney. 
And then I realized that the Disorder Channel, you know, you could certainly look up a lot of these films or topics on YouTube or something. But I hope that by virtue of being in our collection, you know, we're curating with a with a rare caregiver's mindset that it becomes known as a safe place like that, that, oh, if it's rare disease comedy on the Disorder Channel, it won't be exploitative. It'll be in relatively good taste, you know, or if it's uh, self-care, it'll be self-care that's specific to the rare caregiver experience, not just everybody needs self-care, right? Yes, super relevant for this little teeny island, for sure. It's awesome. I love it. What is some of the feedback that you've been getting from people who have been watching the channel or even people who have submitted their films onto it recently? We're getting a lot of good feedback. I think people are excited about the variety of things that they can find on there. You know, I think they come to the channel with an idea, you know, they they know that their disease is on there, their film is on there and they and they think I'm going to just come and check this out and and then I'm I'm good. But it's sort of like what happens at our festival, you know, people come just for their disease and for their film and they end up staying and they check out other stuff and they start to realize like, oh, my story is not, you know, I'm not alone here. And there's other people who feel the way I do, even though they have a totally different disease. And so that piece of it, that thing that happens at the festival, we're, we're hearing that that's happening with the channel as well. And that's, that's a great thing. That's like what we dream of. Totally. And that kind of goes back to the safe place that Daniel mentioned, which it definitely is. I think when you do Google stuff like this, you can get some pretty, you know, bleak outlooks of where things are going for you. But I'm glad that it's invigorating people because it's so exciting. How do you tell people to create their own film? What about someone like me who's like, I don't know how to do anything. I can barely press record sometimes on my podcast. How do I make a film about my son? I have a blog post on rarediseasefilmfestival.com about just that, like sort of the beginner's guide to making your own film. And it's, you know, it's very basic, but it it's a good starting point. And also one of the shows we've been putting on the channel is called Splice Site, and that's interviews with people who have made the films on rare diseases. And I try to get each one of them to tell me, you know, what can people do? What are the tips that you can offer? What makes this easier? Or what are the pitfalls that you need to avoid? So if you watch a bunch of splice site episodes, you start to get a little less intimidated by the process. A recent one, we pulled back the curtain a little bit and you find out one guy, a crew of one, that's who made the film. You know, no, no grips, no gaffers, no second ADs and caterers and hair and makeup. Just one guy with his camera and his lights and microphone. And like you said earlier, maybe you're not making a film for your child or your sibling or yourself. Maybe you are a therapist who talks to people with rare disease or maybe you're a wellness coach and you tailor it specifically to people whose bodies work a little differently. So maybe it's not just about the rare disease itself. So let's talk about the event that's coming up in a few weeks with Global Genes, because this is also a very cool little web that you're creating. And I hope you do it more, maybe even on your own, because it sounds awesome. Yeah. So we um, have picked out some films um, based on some themes. And so we just felt like those would resonate with people. One of the themes is about the sibling experience. I think it's really important to tell that story. I know um, I think a lot about about Tess and her brother and just what it's like to 
to live with a sibling who has a rare disease and that uncertainty and changes your whole your whole family. And so we have a slate of films that's about the sibling experience. And then we have another group of films that's called uh, Just Diagnosed Rare. And that's just what it sounds like. It's essentially, you know, you, you just found out, you just got this diagnosis, kind of what now? You know, what are you going to do now? What's your next move? What your, your life is never going to be the same. And so what are you, what are you doing? And so that's those stories of just kind of different things that people do and how it changed them. And then finally, the, the third slate of films is called More Than a Quest, Success. And we felt like it was really important to tell some stories that have a, a happy ending, that have people who actually get to a cure and how did they do it and what does a cure look like? We think especially now during the pandemic that that's something people are really hungry to hear about. You know, what is a cure and what does it look like? I feel like everybody's thinking about illness like all the time. And so these films are are great because you you watch these families go through this stuff and then you're you're watching them tell the story of like how it worked. They actually did it. They actually got to this cure. And what does that look like? Yes, you're watching this crusade and all of the people that have connected to it to make something happen like that. How do people find this event and maybe join in? This year, instead of doing the live summit, which they would normally do in September, this is a two week long event that is their virtual unsummit, they're calling it. So if you go to globalgenes.org, you'll find that. And our event, Bo mentioned three slates, so they're on one night each. Um, 8.30 Eastern time. So the September 16th is the just diagnosed rare slate. September 17th is the sibling experience. And September 18th is more than a quest success. And each of those has mixed in with the film's speakers. Uh, I believe, Effie, you'll be emceeing one of those speaker sessions. And uh, so we'll have speakers from the films, whether the family in the film or the filmmaker of the film, um, talking and uh, about, you know, what else you need to know that, uh, you know, is, is the story of that film. This is going to be so cool. And I'm so excited to be a part of it. So thanks for including me. And I'm also really excited about the three films you chose, especially one of them, which is one of my favorites on the entire channel. So I'm pumped. Um, and I would really just love to know from both of you, uh, like, what are you most proud of so far? And or what has been one of your favorite moments surrounding your film festival or your TV channel or just the endeavor in general? I would say uh, I'm really I'm really proud of the channel. I think we as Daniel said earlier, we, we'd been talking about it for quite a long time, actually, before the pandemic. And we it was something we meant to do and we're thinking about doing, but just weren't getting to. And then we made it a priority now. And um, we've just been working on it a lot. And, and it's it's happening. It's a, it's a real thing. You can find it and people are watching it and uh, people are responding to it. And I um, I'm just really happy that it's that it's happening, that it's finally happening. Yeah, I would uh, definitely agree with that. And just, you know, in both the festival experience and this channel experience, um, the people that you come in contact with are amazing. And for example, just recently on the channel, we found a filmmaker who made these uh, a series of videos called Unfixed. It's Kimberly Warner. And 
you couldn't imagine a more perfect match for what she's doing with what we're doing. Even the names, you know, we have disorder with our letters DIS kind of skewed into a logo and she has unfixed with the letter E skewed into a logo. And, you know, um, she features a wide variety of diseases and we try to do that. And, um, if you search both terms, disorder, you get a punk rock band unfixed, you get a punk rock band. So it's just <laughs> eerie similarities sometimes. Yeah. The universe conspired there for sure. Those are awesome. Well, you guys, I, I love you. I love you dearly. And I'm just so excited to know you and to watch you from afar and to be a part of anything I can with you guys, because I don't know how you're doing everything that you're doing. Sometimes I'm like, my coffee's cold because I, I forgot to drink it. And you guys already like did 40 things that day. I don't know how you're doing it. <laughs> I feel the same way about you, Effie. I can't imagine doing <laughs> oh all your gosh. podcast episodes. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm really excited for anyone who hasn't heard of your film festival specifically and your channel yet to put this out there because it is catching fire and it's so important for not just our community, but for everyone. And I can't wait to see how much more it grows and how further of a reach y'all get from it. And I will definitely link in the show notes how to join the watch party because that'll be a lot of fun to sit back and kind of hang out with everyone virtually on that. So yeah, guys, is there anything that you want to make sure to leave our audience with or anything that I've missed circling the event and the channel itself? Um, I'll mention just because actually Bo and I have just discovered this ourselves, really. We always tell people how to install the Disorder channel, which hopefully is easy enough to do. You just search for it on your Roku device or your Fire TV device. But then there's this other thing that happens where if you search on a Roku or a Fire device for certain film names and they are on our channel, they come up as you can watch this film. And what happens when you click play is you're installing our channel and watching the film. So it may be easier for some people to just to search for the rare disease movie they're looking for. And then along the way, they discover our channel. OK, yeah, that's a good one. Do you have a video demo on your website of showing people how to connect to it? <laughs> it's on our to-do okay. list. <laughs> we know we need that. We know we need it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I've been thinking about doing that for the podcast, too, because my mom's like, how do I subscribe to your show, Effie? So, well, I actually went to my dad's house and installed the channel for him and explained it to him and showed it to him. And a couple of weeks later, I said, did you watch anything? He's like, no, how do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I love the Roku so much. I feel like that's so user friendly for people who don't really like a lot of remotes and things to be complicated. Cool. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today, guys. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Effie. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story, or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate you all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you.